Welcome to the Dope CFO Podcast, where you can find the best information for accountants and bookkeepers that want to start and grow a highly profitable and flexible remote cannabis accounting firm with your hosts, Naomi Granger and Andrew Hunziker. Now that's dope. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's discussion. We are going to talk a little bit about cannabis banking issues. This is Naomi Granger from Dope CFO. Uh, welcome to the group if you guys are new and we will get started. So we hear from a lot of you and a lot of you are the main thing that comes to mind when we talk to you about you know issues in cannabis. First thing that comes to mind is they're all cash. They're all cash bases. Um, they can't put money in the bank. And that is partly true, but not all the way true. And so they are, uh, there are a lot of businesses that have been operating in cash. However, just because they can't put money in the bank doesn't mean that their base, their cash bases businesses. And so a lot of these businesses, they have to do accrual accounting in order to get the best tax benefits. And, um, and that's where a lot of these accountants are going wrong because they're thinking because it's cash that they need to be in cash. So these businesses must be doing accrual accounting. That's something that um, we will get into further when we do a cost, uh, cost accounting discussion and tax deduction, deductions and things like that. Um, but however, they do, a lot of them do operate in cash. I have businesses in Nevada that have been cash bases since they first started. Um, but then there are businesses that have bank accounts. And so there's like a variety of things going on right now. Let's first talk about the reason why they don't have bank accounts to begin with. And so as you know, cannabis, if you're doing THC, now CBD is another story, but we're talking about THC businesses that have more than 0.3% of THC in the product. That, that is a federally illegal um, substance. It is um, part of Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substance Act. And so federally it's illegal, however, we have 30 33 states where it is legal and 11 of those 33 states, so it's 33 states medical, 11 of those 33 are both medical and what we call adult use. Some people say recreational, but it's adult use. And in those states, since it's federally illegal, you know, they're legal in the state. However, the federal government, which runs our federal banks, won't allow you to put money into those banks because that's considered money laundering because you are putting money into a, uh, into a bank account for a federally illegal business. And so that, that just trickles on down the line for when, you, when you're talking about money laundering because um, so if I'm an actual cannabis business and I'm touching the plant and I put money into the bank, then um, of course I'm money laundering because I'm actually trafficking the substance. However, that trickles down to everybody else who is involved. So if I am the accountant or if I'm the plumber or if I'm the attorney or any other ancillary business who is earning money from this illegal substance, now we're considered money laundering because we're taking in we're filtering or I guess washing some of that money from that illegal business through our legal business and then also putting it into the bank. And so there's a lot of issues around that um, with being able to get payments, um, you know, operating in cash, um, having, I even, um, I know my business partner got his, um, 
his retirement account shut down. I even could not open. I tried to open a SEP IRA. I couldn't even get that um, opened up because they looked on my LinkedIn profile. They Googled me and they saw that I was involved in the cannabis business um, and they would not open an account for me at all. Um, and so I do actually have a bank account. Uh, but you know, when you're if you're servicing cannabis companies, you don't want to open a bank account and with a business a business banking account with the name, you know, I service cannabis companies or marijuana CPA or something like that because then that will be a red flag for the bank and they will not open your account. You want something that's more generic. Um, you want to kind of fly under the radar the best you can. You don't want to be deceptive. But if they if they specifically ask you, are you touching or servicing any marijuana businesses, you want to be honest, but if they don't ask the question, then you don't want to just volunteer this information to them. So um, let's talk about some of the problems that comes about not having banking. So first of all, this is one of the largest industries in the country, and they don't have access to a bank account, meaning that puts them at risk. They have, you have these vaults that are on site. They're paying their employees in cash. They're paying, they're driving in just a regular car with a backpack full of cash to pay their taxes, to pay their state taxes, to pay their federal taxes, to pay all of these bills. And so that is a huge public safety risk. Um, there is, um, there's a there's a huge risk of of the shops getting um robbed there's a huge risk of the business owners getting robbed their personal residencies getting robbed um there's just a, a lot of issues that's um that is presented there now there was a 2015 study conducted by wharton that every two cannabis dispensaries were robbed or burglarized so one out of every two, 50% of them were robbed or burglarized with the average theft walking away with anywhere between 20 and $50,000. Another issue that this presents is the is not traceable. And so the states have the seed to sell accounting, the seed to sell systems where you have to report all of the inventory that you have. However, there aren't sales prices, there aren't costs in these systems. So they know that you may have produced 50 pounds of, of pot. However, they don't know that what the, that 50 pounds was worth. So they're able to track where that 50 pounds went. But if it's an all cash business, you know, you can be pulling in whatever. And so if the government really wants to get their tax dollars, they really need to have more of a paper trail and they need to be putting this, they need to let these um, businesses put their money into a banking account. Um, I see that there's a couple of people on here. I just wanted to mention that uh, if you stay till the end of this presentation, we will be giving out a free guide and we'll get you the link to that free guide at the end of the presentation. So, you know, just stay and um, we'll show you how to get access to that. Okay. So then we, we talked a little bit about the importance of banking. It's going to, it, um, it, um, it will boost public safety. It will um, improve transparency and ease of financing these businesses, um, transparency and ease of collecting tax dollars for these businesses. It will prevent uh, ancillary businesses from becoming money launderers. So it feels really 
you know, it, it's, it's a really hard pill to swallow. When I went to open my business account, business banking account, I was, that was the most nervous that I've ever been. And I'm not even doing anything that's illegal. It's legal in the state of Nevada. I'm a, providing accounting services. I'm a CPA. It's okay. Um, but there's just this little gray area that, oh, but you're technically money laundering. So you don't want to be put at risk of, of, um, of being considered a money launderer and losing your banking. Um, and then the, it will also reduce theft and burglary um, and make it just more traceable for, for tax purposes. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about what the businesses are doing in the meantime. So we've had a couple of clients who have had these banking issues. And at the beginning, you know, you can't just go to the, uh, a lot of these businesses, they will open an account and whatever the name of their dispensary or their farm will be something that's just kind of generic. So at the beginning, the bank wouldn't know that it's a marijuana company. But slowly, as you start having, you know, daily deposits of $10,000, $20,000, weekly deposits of all this cash, the bank will catch on pretty quickly. And what we've experienced is the bank will catch on, they'll shut your account down. These businesses will go to another bank, get the account open, bank will catch on, shut your account down. And so we had a client that had been through at least a dozen bank accounts in just the the one year well not maybe it maybe about six different bank accounts in just a one year time frame that we were looking at their books and trying to get things cleaned up and it we had to tr um trace you know transactions in this this account and then the account being shut down and then a, a you know a twelve thousand dollar uh check being issued and then deposited into a new bank account and then more transactions and then shut down and so it just became a mess it became a nightmare there wasn't a solid paper trail it was really hard to keep track of the ins and outs and what was going on and so um it's important that these companies, when they're opening a bank account, that they find a bank that is cannabis friendly so that they're not at the risk of being shut down and having to go back and forth and, and you know, have canceled checks and all these types of things. Um, and there are banks, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, there are banks that are cannabis friendly. Now, um, Another thing that these businesses are doing, instead of opening a business banking account and you know the risk of it being uh, um, being shut down, they're using the the investors and the business owners' personal bank accounts. So the investor will have several um, credit cards, or they'll have several banking uh, checking accounts, and they'll have one that's just dedicated to this cannabis business. And so then they will run their transactions. And sometimes, I mean, that's idea that that one is just dedicated to this cannabis business, but we've had clients who have had personal transactions as well as their business transactions going through this one account, which makes it even more jumbled and even more complex. And so what you'll see is, um, what we've had to do to get things cleaned up is they would give us, you know, a, a breakdown of the, a, a print of everything, all of the transactions that happened in that bank account. And then they would mark off everything that was personal. And then we would have a register of just every single business transaction that went through that bank account. And then from there, we needed to tie in receipts. For every single one of those transactions because you can't just um, when you're audited by the IRS or you're looked at by um, the banks when you're ready to actually get a, a real bank account they do look 
at your financials to see what types of transactions you have. You can't just give them a bank statement because it's hard for them to understand exactly what that transaction was, what it was for. Um, you actually need a receipt that tells you um, in detail what this was, the date of the transaction, the amount, the taxes, all those different things. You need all that information. And so once you get that printout from that business owner, then you'll have all the transactions listed then anything that's significant, so I mean, you don't wanna have support for every dollar, $5, $10 transaction, but create a threshold, $500, $1,000, $5,000, depending on the level um, and the volume of transactions that go through this business, get a threshold, make sure there's support for each one of those um, items. And so uh, that, as you can see, that's another layer, layer of complexity. First, you have to get this printout. You have to kind of confirm that the information is complete, and then you have to support each one of those numbers um, and it can and it and there will be several pieces so you'll have credit card printouts then you'll have checking account printouts um, we have store card like Home Depot if you're building a grow you'll have store card printouts and you have to make sure that you're looking at this and ensuring that you're capturing all the information um, and so instead of just having a dedicated business bank account you have all these different Excel documents with um, printouts and um, that's what some of the businesses are doing now. That's not necessarily the right way. Um, that's not necessarily the uh, a legal way, but it's just a way. Right now, we're kind of like in a, a gray area where we've just got to figure out a way to make things work so that we can actually move this thing forward. Um, and so that is so we talked about some of the importance of banking and then what banking what businesses are doing in the meantime so let's talk a little bit about so you may have heard that uh, the safe banking act is um, at the well it passed the house of representatives and it's at the senate right now so back in september there was this buzz about uh, the safe banking act and it went through the house of representatives it passed but now it needs to be passed by the Senate and then finally the president has to sign off on it and so since it's reached the Senate there's going to be more um, there's going to be uh, edits that are made to it and and different things they're going to change it up a little bit and and make it the bill you know that they see fit to be passed by the Senate and then whatever they present to the president then he's got to also agree with that so we're still we still have a long ways to go before this um, safe banking act bill will be will be passed so once that happens then that's going to just make things a lot more easier to work with these businesses and a lot more easier for these businesses to to make sure that they have a nice paper trail that they're paying their taxes properly because you know just because they're in a, a legal business a lot of these are trying they're trying to be legal they're trying to be legit um, and you know having these types of barriers just makes it more difficult for them to pay the proper taxes and to do, to do things right so it's not like, like they're trying to deceive our government or deceive the IRS or the state agencies they just have limitations on making sure that they have everything um, lined up and um, the last thing is so another thing that these businesses are doing besides using their own personal banking or you know just trying to get banking with a, a non-cannabis bank and hoping that they don't get shut down is you they're also finding there's many credit credit unions in the legal states um, since credit unions are not federally chartered 
um, they are state chartered and if it's legal in the state then a lot of these businesses are able to open bank accounts with these uh, federal with these credit unions now here's the thing that comes with opening bank accounts with credit unions these credit unions have very long processes for opening the bank accounts you have to submit financial statements um, you it's about a 45 day process they review the financial statements they come back with questions and then there's fees involved I've heard fees in excess of three thousand dollars a month just to have these bank accounts open and you know the reason their reasoning behind it is because there's just more work involved um, they have to audit they audit these businesses quarterly to ensure that everything is lines up with what they expect for expect it to line up with and they also there's heavy there's a lot of cash that comes through these businesses and um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, they have to count a lot of cash and they have to make sure that they have the 8300s filed and there's just a lot more uh, there's a lot more labor involved with banking these types of clients so that is the reasoning that we've heard behind them um, that's the reason that we heard behind them charging higher fees, but uh, I just feel like the fees might be a little bit excessive. Um, so on top, so so on top of having a long application process, needing to have sound monthly financials in place because the banks will look at the books quarterly. However, they look at it at the end of the quarter, but they look at month over month. And if they're seeing huge fluctuations, so if you're not doing any accounting until the end of the quarter, and then you have all these huge accrual adjustments and things just that one month, they're going to ask why, you know, why do you have $15,000 worth of rent um, in this month and, you know, no rent in these other two months because you've done your rent adjustment at the end of the quarter. So they want to see the dollars of rent consistently over the three months they want to see whatever your your payroll accrual is whatever your prepaids are your deferred revenues whatever you have in place they want to see it consistent month over month um, and so it's important that you do monthly financials and um, and then um, on top of that I, I mentioned that they'll they'll charge the higher fees and they will ask questions they, they've asked us questions uh, as to you know what are these fluctuations what do they mean and then we've actually had to make changes to our financial statements based on their review um, and so that's it kind of high level of what's going on with banking and cannabis I'm just um, so let's jump right in i was actually looking this morning at kind of the latest news around the safe banking act because this affects um, cannabis banking so this passed the house um 321 to 103 but it's unlikely we're hearing that it will pass the senate um we don't know for sure what will happen i've even heard it might be attached into another bill um so we'll just have to see what happens i still think banking is probably the first issue that's going to be changed around cannabis laws in the next year or so just because it makes sense for whether you're Republican or Democrat these are tax dollars owed to the government you want to collect them if you don't have um, banking laws in place or make it easier for banks to um, help cannabis companies you're probably not collecting all of your taxes so hopefully that will change and um, over time this report also saying according to online journal american banker 34 percent of medical marijuana companies all the way back in 2015 
we're banking with one of the biggest banks in the U.S., Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, and Citigroup. So that's super interesting to me. So even quite a while ago, um, whether or not it was legal or not, people were banking at these institutions. Um, right now they're saying, as of I think three, four months ago, there were 700 depository institutions that offer financial services to marijuana-related businesses. So that's only 8% of all the ones in the U.S. So basically there's about 7,000 banks and credit unions in the U.S. Almost 1,000 serve cannabis. But when you think about in 50 states, um, that's not too um, that's not too small of a number. Actually, a lot of people have it misconceived that there is no cannabis banking. So there is a um, pretty decent size. Um, so again, we're we're looking to here. I was reading a little more the Senate. Um, Mitch McConnell, who everyone knows is the head of the Senate right now. He's um, the most ardent opponent of marijuana reform. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, so we'll, we'll see on that and we'll kind of watch those laws as we go. So we will, in the meantime, banking is still hard to get. You can get it somewhere. If so, for example, in Oregon, we have Maps Credit Union. They bank a lot of the cannabis companies. Even with the credit unions, you're finding lots of cash because not everyone has a bank. And so whoever doesn't have the account has cash and they want to use the cash to buy or sell product. And so there's just simply a lot of cash in the system. So we have to, to um, look at controls and whatnot. So one thing I want to talk about right off the bat, the controls we look at in place. So we talk about segregation of duties in any audit that's one of the key internal controls of any company and so that at a very high level segregation of duties simply means anyone that has custody to key assets that they can handle or hold them so like in a a retail shop if someone can pick up the merchandise and they have access to the inventory they shouldn't also have access to the accounting records and so in a cannabis company, whether it's a farm or a dispensary, the big assets that can be walked off with are cash and marijuana, which is also small and valuable. And so both of those um, items, anyone working in the farm, a planning, or anyone working in the shop, like a bud tender who's actually collecting cash at the point of sale, you wanna make darn sure they have absolutely no access to the accounting records. Um, we've seen that happen. Um, it is just, you're asking for fraud if, and they've shown over and over again in studies that most of us are pretty good people, but if, if people know there is an opportunity to commit fraud and they also believe they're not gonna get caught, there's a much, much likelier chance that people are gonna go ahead and um, take some money. So you want to be super careful on that. And so anyone who does the bookkeeping or accounting for the dispensary in particular, those people should have no act. They shouldn't be selling pot. They shouldn't be up in the front. They shouldn't be controlling um, inventory either. So they shouldn't do any of those things. Um, trying to think what else they should not do. So you usually your bookkeeper would just be doing the accounting. And so someone else will be counting inventory or counting cash. And so cash in particular. So we'll see in our dispensary, they may do cycle counts on inventory and test different pieces of the floor and different days of the week. But on cash, we are reconciling that every single day. And so when a new 
cashier comes in in the morning who's going to be working usually they'll sign one register to that person and they will get their till and it maybe has $200 or whatever it has in there in cash. That person counts it. And then a supervisor signs off on the count right then in the morning. So when they go out on the floor before they sell anything, everyone's in agreement. This person has $200. And then that person goes out and they will be selling all day and pot and at the end of the day or the end of their shift or whenever it is, they will count their till and maybe it'll be a thousand dollars. And so it went up $800. And so that $800 is going to be counted again by the person whose till it is. It will be signed off by the, the um, supervisor that $800, they'll both sign the piece of paper and then they're going to agree. They're going to run their um, POS reports and also um, whether it's green bits or whatever, for the for those sales at that time period and so the sales which so like green bits for example they will show you cash sales and they will show you merchant services card sales and so if they say cash sales is 800 that's perfect you counted 800 of new cash and the pos said 800 was sold and you've got a perfectly tied out number they take that money and then so it kind of builds like, you know, Chinese dolls or what are those things called where you have the collapsible dolls. So everyone has their, say there's eight different people out there selling. They've each got their till, everyone counts, everyone ties to their, their sales from that register. And then those are collapsed together by that supervisor. And so now maybe he's got $12,000 of cash counted. Then that person's going to have another supervisor count that 12,000 and sign off that that's 12,000 ties to each one of these sales. And sometimes there will be missing $5 off here and there. You expect that that's okay. Where what you don't want to see is someone's missing a hundred dollars or 150. And in particular, you will also be able to track like Sally was short five today five tomorrow what's going on with sally you can identify it to a person and have controls that way so usually you'll have another person higher level manager signing off on the big bundle of cash putting it into an actual safe locking it um with a piece of paper and the pos sales for the day and so it will all tie out exactly if there's any money missing you'll say you know we collected twelve thousand. we should have had twelve thousand two hundred. Um, hopefully not a lot of that was missing we actually built in our program, we have um, actual, it's actually a shared sheet file that the, they use for one month. And so we reconciled every day. And so we have all these different tills up at the top and you have, and people come in, the accountant who does no counting, does no checkoff. She just gets the sheet that says, okay, till A, B, C, D, and E, each has this amount of money. She plugs it into the, the, um, cash count sheet and it adds all up and so it's a store cash is this and then we compare it the beginning of day cash plus the increase into the day cash then that then the the accountant also goes out independently into the pos pulls those numbers make sure they agree and so maybe there may be some decreases as well say the manager bought lunch for everybody or maybe the the um the cannabis buyer spent $2,000 on buying a pound of pot. Those will all be also recorded in this sheet by the bookkeeper. And there will be a piece of paper with every single thing. So every sale will be backed up on the selling side. If someone buys some pot, there will be a piece of paper going with that, saying who they bought from what and when. 
and that will all go in there. And so every single transaction will be tied out in that cash sheet for the day and it will go from top to bottom and it should balance perfectly and there might be a variance. We'll have a variance line and oftentimes we'll see $2 off or $8 off. If there's a bigger variance, that's where the halt and we'll go back, recount, dig in, hopefully find it. Um, and, and figure out, trace it all the way back. So those are very, very important things. So in our program, we've actually built a really nice um, dispensary cash tie-out file that can do all this for the, um, for the dispensary and um, tie it out daily. So that, those are most of the controls um, on the banking side. And um, let us know if you want to learn more about um, our program as well. We have inside the program, we have many other cool features. For example, we're collecting a list of cannabis-friendly banks in each state. All right. Thanks, everybody.